The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de church people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. I'm Sean Martin, lead pastor at Highlands Church, and let me also begin by saying Happy Mother's Day to all of you moms that are here. And it's such a joy to have you here with us. And today is the day that we celebrate moms because you have what may be the hardest job in the entire world. We watched that video a few minutes ago that just showed a few parts of the mom job description. Coach, cheerleader, doctor, taxi driver, psychiatrist, teacher, role model, comforter, and more and more and more. And so we we thank you, moms, for all that you do, and we recognize the sacrifices that you make on our behalf, and we recognize that being a mom is hard. It's very hard. It it means that you are not going to get as much sleep as you otherwise would have if you had never become a mom, right? If you have an infant, you definitely know this because you're up all night long. You're feeding, and you're changing, and you're comforting. But if you have a a kid who's maybe school age, you still don't get much sleep because the second that your head hits the pillow, all of a sudden you hear, Mom, I'm thirsty. Mom, I need to go to the bathroom. Mom, it's too dark. Mom, now it's too light. Mom, I can't pull my covers up. My arms have stopped working. And then when your kids get a little bit older, you don't get much sleep because you lay there going, what is my kid doing right now? And 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 you're worried about all of these things. Being a mom is hard. It can make even the most simple task much more difficult, like going to the grocery store. There, there's a mom recently that was observed uh, with her little three-year-old daughter in her shopping cart. And this man kept running into her in the grocery store. And he, first he ran into her in the cookie aisle. And the kid was just crying and screaming, I want cookies. And mom said, no. And so then she began to whine all the more. And then the mom just very calmly said, now, Jane, we only have half the aisles left So just remain calm. We'll be through with this soon. A little bit later, the same guy ran into the mom and her three-year-old daughter in the candy aisle. And the girl was just saying, Mom, I need candy. Mom, I need candy. And the mom once again said, No, you can't have candy. And the girl just began. She broke into tears. She's crying in the middle of the store. And the mom just very serenely said, Now, Jane, don't cry we only have two aisles left. Please, we'll, we'll be through really soon. So then a little bit later, the, the man ran into the mom and her daughter in the checkout line, and the daughter is reaching for gum, trying to get the gum right there at the stand. And mom said, no, you can't have gum. And then it was over. The girl was just crying and throwing a major temper tantrum right there in the store. But the mom, as calm and as patient as she had been the entire time, said, Now, Jane, we'll be out of here in just a few minutes, and then we can go home and take a nice nap. (laughs) Awesome. So then the man ran into this daughter and this mom in the parking lot, and he went up to her and he said, you know what, I got to tell you, I am amazed. I saw you in the cookie aisle and the candy aisle. You have been so patient. It's so commendable with how patient you've been with little Jane. And then the mom said, oh, no, she's not Jane. I'm Jane. 
Being a mom is hard. Sometimes it will make a woman talk to herself in the grocery store. So this morning, we celebrate you moms, and we say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for all of you that have made sacrifices on our behalf. Thanks for all that you do. And this morning, we're going to look at a story of a very important mom in the Bible, one who was just characterized by faithfulness. But we're going to look at her story that leads up to her becoming a mom, because it was her faithfulness that would serve her well as a mom that enabled her to have really this remarkable experience of becoming a a wife and a mother. The woman's name is Ruth, and she lived about 3,000 years ago. Ruth grew up in the gentle rolling hills of Moab, which is a land that's east of the Dead Sea in modern-day Jordan. And she grew up and, and really had a very normal upbringing. There was nothing to indicate that her upbringing was very remarkable at all. She grew up within the Moabite culture, learning the Moabite religion, probably thinking she would spend her entire life in that region. Then one day, foreigners, a family, came from out of town, from Israel, and they came into the land because they were trying to get away from this terrible famine that had broken out in their own land. Now, Israelites didn't come to Moab very often. The two countries had a very rocky history. And so you know that these people were desperate going to Moab in search of, of anything that would help them survive this terrible famine. But their hardship, this family from Israel that came, their hardship ended up working out very well for Ruth. Because this family had two unwed sons. Awesome. So she got this chance to meet this guy, and they ended up getting married, her and the oldest son. And then another local girl named Orpah was able to marry the other son. Not to be confused with Oprah, who actually, I I think her name was given to her as Orpah, but it got mispronounced over and over again, and it just changed into Oprah along the way. You learn something when you come here to Highlands. (laughs) Well, it didn't take long for Ruth to just fall in love with this family that that had come from Israel, that had taken her in, and she especially had this close bond with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And so things were just looking great for Ruth. She had this family and this husband that she loved. She had this promise of security going forward in her life, and soon she would start having children and feel like, my life is fulfilled. But then something went terribly wrong. First, Ruth's father-in-law died, and then her husband did, and then Orpah's husband did too, in, in just close succession to each other. The happily ever after that Ruth had been dreaming of was gone. She must have have felt like, why is this happening? Her heart was broken, not only for herself, but also for her sister-in-law and her mother-in-law, for all that they had to endure. And as bad as her situation was, she knew that Naomi's was far worse, because Naomi had not just lost her husband, but she had also lost both of her sons. The grief was really hard to bear. But then they had this other realization that was even more terrifying. They were now widows. 
there were no men in the household any longer. And in the ancient Near East, that meant that your entire social status was gone. It meant that you had no political power and that you had no economic power. It was basically akin to being homeless in the United States today. And so these women had not only lost their husbands and were grieving for that, they had also lost all of their economic security going forward. Their future looked bleak. So at this time, Naomi, the mother-in-law, had heard that things in her homeland had improved, and she thought, well, there's no reason for me to stay. So she started to head back to her homeland, and she had both of her daughters-in-law with her, and, and she stopped and she said, go back, go to your parents' homes. I have nothing to offer you. My fate is sealed, but yours doesn't have to be. Perhaps you can find somebody else. Perhaps you can marry again. Perhaps you can find security by staying here. And here's what happened next. Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. Naomi has just asked her daughter-in-laws to leave. She says this, or God's word says this. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. It's a beautiful story, isn't it? This, this poetic response, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be devoted to you. Now, as Caleb mentioned earlier, sometimes we have, these, we have women in our lives who kind of serve as spiritual moms. And I think that's what was going on here. Naomi was not her real mom, but she had played this role of a mother-type figure to her. And she was not going to let Naomi go home alone with nobody with her. And so she went. Ruth's story is one of faithfulness and devotion in the midst of hardship One word that appears in her story is is the Hebrew word hesed, and it's a word that means loving kindness or faithfulness, and it's a word that really depicts who Ruth is, and and she really embodies that word. She displays this remarkable faithfulness throughout the story. First, she displays this faithfulness for her mother-in-law, Naomi. She left her homeland. She left her chance at security so that her mother-in-law would not be alone and to be her constant companion. You know, I think that Ruth's actions were totally heroic. We live in a world where heroes are often chosen because they are popular or they get the most publicity. But Ruth gives us a different model for heroes in our world, a hero who's defined by character and virtue and right living, the hero who's recognized for her faithfulness and devotion and her sacrifice for another person. Several years ago, an email was passed around. Perhaps you got it. It was attributed to Charles Schultz, the creator of Peanuts. And it said it was his philosophy 
And it goes through, and, and it starts with kind of this little quiz. And it says, how many of these things, these people, do you think you can name? It said, name the five wealthiest people in the world. The last five Heisman Trophy winners. The last five winners of the Miss America pageant. Ten people who've won the Nobel or Pulitzer Prize. The last half dozen Academy Award winners for Best Actor, Best Actress. And the last decade's worth of World Series MVPs. Can anybody name all of those people? <laughs> I didn't think so. It's hard to, to even remember all these things. And, and the email, it continued. It's, it made the point that today's headliners won't be remembered tomorrow. The applause will die. Awards tarnish. Achievements are forgotten. But then it went on to give another list of, of people to think about and to consider. It said this. List a few teachers who've aided your progress in your journey through school. Name three friends who've helped you through a difficult time. Name five people who've taught you something worthwhile. Think of a few people who've made you feel appreciated and special. Think of five people that you enjoy spending time with. Now, I think most of us, if we spend a little bit of time with this list, we could probably fill it out pretty quickly. The lesson here is that the people who have the biggest impact on our lives, the greatest heroes in our lives, are not the people with the most influence or the most money or the most awards. They're the people who care about us the most. And that is exactly what Ruth was doing for Naomi. She was the person who cared for her the most. She remained faithful when so many people would have walked away. But Ruth's faithfulness didn't end there. She was also faithful to God. Now, it's a subtle but important theme in this story that keeps coming up that when Ruth chose to go with Naomi and to leave her homeland, she was also choosing Naomi's God. Now, there was a God that was worshipped in Moab, and this God was called Kamosh. And the way that they worshipped this God was very... Um, there were so many acts that they did that were scandalous and immoral, and they even at times had human sacrifices involved in their worship of their God. And Ruth had encountered the true God through her in-laws and, and that in-laws family, and so she didn't want to go back to those other things. And so she said, no, I will go and I will follow this God wherever he leads, even into this unknown future where I have no idea what's going to happen when I get there. She was faithful to God. She was faithful to her mother-in-law. And we would be remiss if we didn't recognize that there was one other aspect of faithfulness in this story. And that is God's faithfulness to Ruth. Let's pick up the story. When Ruth and Naomi entered Bethlehem, Ruth quickly recognized that there was only one way that she and Naomi were going to be able to eat and that's if she went into the fields and picked up the grain that had been left behind after the workers had gone through. Now, biblical law had established this as a practice, that anything that had fallen from the sheaves when the workers were going through at harvest time would be left for those who were destitute and unable to provide food for themselves, so that anybody who was willing to come out and do the work, the hard work, could get the food that they needed. Ruth was willing to do the work, 
And so she went out in the fields. And she found herself one day in the field of a man named Boaz. Now, it turns out that Boaz was a relative of Ruth's deceased husband, and he immediately took an interest in her. He, he made sure that she always had water and food. He told her, don't go into anybody else's fields. We will give you everything that you need. And he made sure that the laborers dropped extra things and left them behind for her to make her job easier. In case you're missing what was going on here, dude was in love. <laughs> he was smitten with Ruth. And sometimes... When a guy is in love, it becomes apparent to everybody around him. I know, when I met Holland, it took me two months to ask her out, um, partly because I was just terrified of the, the whole deal, but, um, <laughs> but partly it just took me some time. But my friends began to recognize what was going on, and so they'd come up to me and they'd say, what are you waiting for? And I'm just waiting for the right moment. When somebody is falling for somebody, when somebody's smitten with somebody, sometimes everybody around them can tell. And everybody around Boaz was beginning to realize what was happening. And word was getting back to Naomi that her daughter-in-law had caught his attention. And so she basically told her, Ruth, to go and propose marriage to Boaz. Completely unprecedented. And so Ruth did, and she did it by asking him to become her kinsman redeemer, which is, was a really cool role in, in Israel at this time where a person would basically guard the family honor. This, this person would be a relative who could go and purchase lands that had been sold by his relatives um, because of hardship. He was somebody that could pay the redemption price for a slave who had been... Uh, sold into slavery in his family, and he could also marry the widow of a relative who had died without children so that he could carry on the family line. It was a remarkable role, and so when Ruth asked this of Boaz, he was excited. He, he liked this opportunity, but there was a little detail that he had to take care of first. There was another family member who had kind of the fir was first in line to be kinsman redeemer, so he woke up the next morning, first thing, he went and met with that person and very cleverly negotiated so that he could become the kinsman redeemer and more importantly, take Ruth as his wife, which he did right away. So we see in this story God's faithfulness to Ruth. God didn't leave her in despair. He led her to the field of Boaz. He led her to the place where uh, she could... Be married and have this man who would provide for her needs. And eventually their marriage would produce a son. And she named that son Obed. Later on, Obed would have his own son, and he would name him Jesse. And then Jesse would have a son, and he would name him David. So this Moabite woman, who was a widow, who should have spent her life in obscurity and completely destitute, became the great-grandmother of the greatest king, the greatest human king that Israel ever had, King David. In the midst of hardship, God was working. 
As we saw just several weeks back when we did our Unexpected Places series, God often does his best work, his most amazing work through unexpected people in unexpected circumstances. And we love the stories like this. Like Ruth's story is so great because you find somebody who has just been slammed, who ends up having her life redeemed because of her virtue and because of her, the way that she lived and, and the faithfulness that she had towards her mother-in-law. And we, we love these stories. They're, they're so great. And we can learn so much from somebody like Ruth. First, we can learn from Ruth that it's important for us to be faithful to others. Faithfulness to others. When hardships come, it's so easy to kind of push people away and to focus totally inward, to become all about self-preservation. But faithfulness reminds us to keep in mind what's going on with other people, to consider the other people in our lives. Who is it that God's calling you to be faithful to? A family member, a friend, Perhaps you're going through something difficult, and it would be easy to just kind of walk away. But our faithfulness and devotion will speak loudly to those in our lives and to the world at large. Next, Ruth reminds us to be faithful to God. There are always a ton of temptations around us. I don't need to tell you that. You already know. There are temptations before us every day. But when we are going through hard times, temptations can feel even more intense and even harder to withhold ourselves from, to withstand. But when we are unfaithful towards God, we can do it for a number of reasons. We can do it because we just want to escape. We want to get away from those things that are, that are so hard to deal with and so hard to feel and so we're unfaithful because we want to escape. Or maybe we're unfaithful because somebody has hurt us and we think by doing this, we are going to hurt them back. Or maybe we are unfaithful to God because we're just so discouraged and weary. We've been doing the right thing and it doesn't seem to make any difference. And so we just want to take a break from doing the right thing for once. But when we do that, when we act unfaithfully to God, we may get that escape for a little while. But then... When that all wears off, we'll eventually have more consequences than we had before. And we may actually hurt that other person that we wanted to hurt. But we'll have more scars in our relationship now, and we will hurt ourselves probably worse than we do the other person. We may get a break from doing the right thing, but again, we'll wake up with more trouble than we had the day before. Hardships are opportunities for us to grow in faithfulness to God. They're opportunities for us to grow in character and virtue and love for the God who created us. Finally, Ruth's story reminds us that God is faithful to us. Are you going through a difficult time? Does it feel maybe like God has abandoned you? When we look at Ruth's story, we see somebody who went through a time just like that. But God did not leave her. God did not forsake her. God journeyed with her from Moab to Bethlehem. He traveled with her, and he helped to arrange things so that she could take her place in history, this very important place. I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Romans 8.28 says, 
For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. It's an important promise to remember. God is faithful. Mother's Day is a day that many people celebrate the faithfulness of a mom. But it's also a day where some people mourn because their mom wasn't able to be faithful or wasn't given the chance to be faithful. And regardless of where you are on that spectrum, we can all take comfort in the knowledge that God will always be faithful to us, that God will always be working for the good. And so in that knowledge, God calls us then to be people who live in faithfulness. He calls us today to be faithful to others and faithful to him. Please bow and pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We pray that through the power of your spirit, you would give us the ability to be faithful ourselves, faithful to the people in our lives, even in hard times, and faithful to you every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping deep church people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.